glory may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know the hope of his call and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for to believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all Amen. Uh, heavenly father we welcome your holy spirit here now this morning we thank you for the anointing and the worship and on the word today we thank you for your glory filling this house in jesus mighty name amen, amen. amen. Praise God. Um, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter um, 5? Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you that you, you speak to us through your word. And um, so, look, this is just what the Lord really um, kind of brought alive to me I'm sure you probably might know this already but it really just I felt the Lord speaking to me um this scripture and I kept going back over it um it was like how I was listening to the Bible Gateway audio like I try and listen to him um as much as I can when I'm in the car or, um you know when I'm alone and um but this just jumped out at me and in in Matthew 5 like there's where Jesus was speaking and teaching on what they call the Beatitudes and you know um, you're blessed blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see the Lord and you know blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see the Lord that's um, uh, they are verse 8 I think God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God and I often thought about that, but then when I was listening to the rest of the chapter the last day, this really just ministered to me, and it's in verse 43. Um, the whole of Matthew 5 is like a manual for, for right living according to God, in God's eyes. And um, it says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say... Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? And, you know... The last few weeks ago there, we were speaking about rewards. And it's amazing because, you know, we, we like rewards. Oh, maybe it was in the Word of Victory. It was, um, we like rewards, you know, and, and that's why we go to certain shops with our rewards card and we get, you know, points and vouchers. We, we you know, long ago, do you remember that of being in school and getting a gold star like they were rarely handed out and my god you felt like a million dollars coming out of school if you had a gold star on your forehead it sort of elevated you slightly above everybody else or whatever and uh, made you feel great and and you know you'd achieved something and um are we reward remember the kids when they were young like and you had the star charts and uh, then you took off four stars and they did something really bad or whatever. But um, so rewards and and we talk about it in Hebrews six, um, Hebrews eleven verse six. You know that God rewards those who diligently seek Him out. And um, here He's talking about again. He's saying if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? So you know God 
his kingdom is a kingdom of, of seed time and harvest, of sowing and reaping. And it's, it's a rewards-based system. The farmer who goes out and sows the seed you know, in the field um, is rewarded at the end of the season by a crop, you know, a harvest. Um, and he says, even... So if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. <laughs> so the Lord kind of dispels any kind of joy you had about how you're such a loving person to your family. And if you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. <laughs> but you are to be perfect or to be holy even as your Father in heaven is perfect, is holy. And that word perfect translates there, it's, it's the word holy, and it translates to mean complete, or it translates to mean growing up into spiritual maturity, both in mind and in character, actively integrating godly values to your daily life. So actively um, integrating these godly values into your daily life. That's what being perfect there or being holy means. People, you know, think, oh, look, you must be holy. We have a picture in our heads, and it's a religious picture of a holy Joe. You know, and people would say along, go, oh, she's right, holy Joe, you know, because she's holier than thou and so pure and untouched and whatever, you know, Wade thinks that she's better or he's better than us. Like, that's a religious mindset. And that's not what the Word of God is saying here. In fact, the, 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 the character of God that's, per, uh, that's spoken here of as his holiness is that he's mature. <laughs> that he's mature in his mind and in his character. He's mature in his outlook. He's not childish. And you see, our flesh is extremely childish. <laughs> you hurt me, I don't like you. You know, uh, you're not nice. I don't like you. I'm going to stay away from you. I'm going to say bad things about you or whatever. And that's our flesh acting out. But our spirit, um, because we have been, you know, uh, our spirit has been regenerated, given a brand new spirit because the spirit of God is living in us. So therefore, our spirit needs to now dominate our flesh and not our flesh dominate our spirit. But I want to point out this this line to you here in 45 he says you love your neighbor um, you know the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies pray for those who another version says despitefully use you and, and bless those who persecute you okay and then in 45 in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And this line just kept jumping out of me. In that way, you will be, um, in fact, it says, uh, the, the translation there for where it says acting, it means that you will, be, you will become into being. You will be literally finished, as in completed. So you will be complete just as your Father is complete, that you will be the absolute image of him. And remember, we are made in God's likeness and his image. And that just doesn't mean, you know, that my face or my features look like him, that I have the same color eyes or the same shape ears as, as my father in heaven, but that I have the same character and nature as him. And so I really want you to get this, <laughs> okay, because I've been, and, I, and I've been praying that, that the Holy Spirit will, will help us to comprehend and understand this. Because I believe that this is a major key to walking in freedom. And um, I, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would teach this. Um, can we look at... Keep your finger there, we'll come back to it, okay? And can we look at um, Romans chapter 14... And so bearing that first scripture in mind, that we are to be like our Father as a, as a true child of His. 
So I'm going to read some various scriptures here, just to, and it's up to you then to, to um, allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring this. You know, he's the one who teaches us the word of God. Romans 14, and I think it's um, verse 7. Mm, gosh, I don't think so. <laughs> Am I in the wrong place? Um, you know where it says the kingdom of God? Maybe it's not Romans 14. Why did I write that down? The kingdom of God. Oh yeah, sorry, it's 17, not 7. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Now, this is following on from maybe what we were talking about last week about how we are called to build. And I believe that you know, we need to have that foundation. You know, the, the throne of God is built on the foundation of righteousness and justice, of holiness and justice. He's the God of justice and he's the God of righteousness. And he's given us that righteousness to wash away our sins so that he can now bring justice uh, to us as well for what the, what, you know, what the enemy has tried to bring destruction into our lives. Um, and so the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not a matter of eating or drinking. And so that's that religious spirit again. That's that legalistic spirit. Oh, you can't do that, or you can't do that. You know, the word of God, as we live to please God, we won't want to do the things anyway, you know. And uh, there's, there's, there's a difference in relationship to, to legalism. Religion is legalism. Uh, but relationship is intimacy and there's a flow. And that's that river we were singing about. You know, there's a flowing river of his presence, constantly bringing refreshment. We read about this on, on Thursday night in um, Ezekiel chapter 47, where it says that river flows and brings freshness into even the Dead Sea where there's, you know, nothing living. Because of that life flowing, if enough of that living water flows in there, it dilutes and eventually dissolves and removes all traces of deadness. And that's what Jesus did for us at the cross. There was an exchange. There was an exchange at the cross. And then if you just want to follow me there to Galatians, Galatians chapter 2. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In verse um, 19, for when I try to keep the law, and this is legalism and the religious spirit here, trying to keep the law, trying to be a good girl, trying to be a good boy, trying not to mess up or do bad things or think bad things or say bad things. That's the, the law. Um, but relationship is outside of the law. The law the law's still there. But when we have relationship with God, we're not going to be doing those things. If the, if, if the Holy Spirit is, you know, the one who is in control of our lives. And so when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. And that's for sure. And that's why people get condemned, is when there's a religious spirit in operation. You know, it's a pointing of the finger. In Isaiah 58, it says, the pointing of the finger. Uh, it's, it's a spirit that sort of, uh, you know, points out the flaws in other people. That's why Jesus said, what are you looking at the speck in his eye for when you can't see the pig plank in your own eye? You know? And so we have to be careful of it. And it's something every one of us can succumb to, you know, at various times. And, uh, you know, along with, so when you hear condemnation, you're not praying enough, you're not holy enough, you're not, you're not good enough. Oh, look at him or her. My God, they're way better. Look at, you know, why can't you be like them? Listen, that's a, a legalistic religious spirit. And what it's going to do is separate you even further from God. We need to run to him. And sure, there may be things, you know, that are, um, that are, out of sync or whatever in your life. But the thing is, is that as you're in relationship with him, he's going to deal with those things for you. And he's going to point them out to you. That's why it says that he disciplines those he loves. Yeah. And um, 
So in, in Galatians 2, 19, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. Hallelujah. What a difference. What a different way to live. To actually believe the word of God, that you love me, Jesus, that you washed and cleansed my sins and that I am right with you and that you want to bless me, that you want me to live a successful life, that you want me to live a purposeful life. You want me to live a life that's free from fear. Okay, Jesus, I believe you. I believe your word. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know that you will bring me. And you know, that's what faith is is trusting in him and holding on, even when the circumstances may not be perfect. And so um, that's what he's saying here. When I stopped trying to meet all of the requirements of the law so that I might live for God, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. This life I now live, I live by faith in God, in the one who loved me and gave his life for me. Okay, so while I was still dead in my sins, Jesus Christ died for me. And looking back, okay, let's go back again to Matthew chapter 5, okay? And just to go over this once more, because there's a key in this. Matthew 5, 43 again. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, in what way? In loving your enemies, praying for those who persecuted you or who have despitefully used you, blessing them, praying for their happiness, praying for their health, praying, Lord, that, they, that their hearts will be healed, praying that they will come to know you, praying, oh God, that you will keep them from destruction, praying, Father, let your plans for their lives come to pass. You see, it's a, a total heart change, right? And so what is the result of that? In 45, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So, you think about this. We mentioned this before. In Genesis chapter 1, when the serpent came to Eve, he said, has God said that, you know, you can't touch everything here? And she said, well, we can eat everything here, but we can't touch that tree or we're going to die because that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But you know, God knew all about it. He knew all of the knowledge of good and he knew all about the knowledge of evil. And yet, God is holy. How is that possible? And this is what I want you to see here in Matthew 5, 43. In that way, you will be acting or living as your father. In what way? In knowing that your enemy or, or that that person has used you or has persecuted you or, you know, isn't living right or whatever. And yet, loving them, praying for them, blessing them, not judging them. That's the way God lives. And that's how his holiness is protected. And that's the way our lives, our minds, you see people there and they're falling apart, they're tormented. You know, where there's any kind of tormentation, there's unforgiveness, okay? There's a lack of love uh, because of, of fear or unforgiveness, well, God has no fear and God has no unforgiveness. And so that's how he lives in perfect peace. And that's how he wants us to live as his body, as his children, his sons and his daughters on this earth. It's like, you know, if, if, you, took, if you took Fergaler and, and took the three boys at home and, and the way that he instills his character and nature in those lads, and they have grown up, you know, to be strong men of God. They've grown up to be men of, of moral integrity because of the fact that he has poured into them. And so they choose to live like him rather than like, you know, some, some, somebody else that they see. You know, the role models that are being presented to the young guys and the young girls uh, right now, they're not role models. 
my God, those people, you know, and that's why the whole thing is a shambles and chaos mm -hmm. because they're modeling their lives on, I have to have burlut or I have to have implants in my backside so that it sticks out back here, or I have to have, you know, this kind of a, a ripped body and, and toned or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with exercise. I'm not saying that. But, you know, that, that they're taking their, their, their cue or their character and their nature from, from celebrities rather than from role models that they have in their home or from the ultimate role model who is God, our Father. Amen. This is, this is mind-blowing, guys. Amen. I'm telling you, if we can get hold of this, there's going to be breakthrough and freedom. Amen. And more than that, there's going to be a presence of God on you, around you, and, and with us everywhere we go. Amen. And we're going to see breakout of, because where God's presence is allowed to flow, you know, there's no disturbance. That's why he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. How do we quench the Spirit? We quench the Spirit by strife, unforgiveness, bitterness, jiving, giving out, condemning, fearing, uh, you know, all of these things, stealing, lying, thieving, whatever. We, we quench the Spirit by those actions and, and, those, and that way of living. But what if we were to live like God lives? And what happens is, is that the, the Spirit of God just explodes his his glory fills this place and, and us and our homes amen okay let's keep going in we were in um, galatians 2 so now we're going to ephesians ephesians chapter 2 <coughs> father it's your word that brings life it's your word amen. that brings victory to us and and we praise you and thank you today Thank you for the power of your presence and the wind of your spirit here. Oh, Lord, Amen. we thank you. Thank you, Father, for, for your hand touching each one here, these children of yours, Lord, these sons and daughters, Lord. We bless them today, each one of us. And thank you, Father, for bringing fresh revelation Amen. by the power of your spirit in mm -hmm. Jesus' name. Amen. That's why Jesus said, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Spirit of God. Amen. Those whose sins you remit are remitted. And those whose sins you hold on to are held on to. Why did Jesus say that? It's the very last thing he said to them before he was ascended into heaven. That's in John 21. You know, it's, it's key. In Ephesians 2 verse 6. Praise the Lord. Sorry, no, verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Remember that now. We read that already in Matthew 5. What do you think about loving those who love you? Even the tax collectors do that. What do you think about uh, getting on with those who, hate, who, who, you know, who get on with you? Even the pagans do that. Well, many things that are going on in people's lives are just like the world. There's no difference. And so, you know, this is where there's a difference. This is where the rubber meets the road of our faith. Are we willing to, to lay down our, you know, for, like we read in Galatians, for our lives to be crucified, yeah. for to crucify the flesh and the old man and the way I wanted to do things and the way I used to always do things, the way I used to always think. Is that the way we want to live? And um, praise the Lord. So in... Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And you see, that's ultimately what it comes down to, is obedience to God's word, is obedience. Uh, that's, that's what it comes down to. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, say dead because of my sins, dead because of my sins. he gave me life he gave when he raised Christ from the dead. From the dead. Amen. So even though we were dead in our sins, so... You think about that. 
Okay, you're thinking about your enemies now in, in Matthew chapter 5, 43. Those who have used you, despitefully used you, those who have persecuted you, those who've said nasty things, those who've betrayed you or abused you in some way. You're thinking about them, right? You think about yourself before you came to know the Lord. You were living just like them. Okay, that's the truth. I was living just like them. Well, I don't know, maybe you weren't, okay? I see all the halos are going in. Don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, we were, you know, that's the truth. We were living just like that. And yet, before we ever even knew him, Jesus Christ died on the cross and gave his life for me while I was still dead in my sins. And it was the goodness of God that led me to repentance. And it was the goodness of God that brought me back to him. So why would it be any different for anybody else? Yeah, well, that's my question. Yeah, Moses. But that's something like that you can't... Can't get on it. Yeah, that's in in Romans chapter 12. As far as possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. So what that means, yes, you're right to ask that question, Mars. That's so right. Where there's some people you can't. and, And this is the truth. You know, there's people who are living in very abusive situations. So you don't go kissy, kissy, you know. But the thing about it is, is that from a distance that you can say, Lord, you know exactly everything that's gone on and you know the way it's tormenting my heart. Because you see, it's the tormentation we need to deal with. The tormentation of it. And so we pray, Lord, I, I ask you, I give it to you, and I, I, I thank you that you have forgiven me, and I choose to forgive them in the, in the person of Jesus. I choose to forgive them, Lord, and release them. And I pray for them. I pray for their happiness. I don't know whether I'll ever meet them again or anything, but you know, there are many stories, and I, I have one even myself, you know, where, where after numerous years of of praying and praying that I actually got an opportunity to meet somebody and and to to speak to them and to actually release forgiveness to them and you know I came away that day having realized and and received such a breakthrough in my life because of that but you know it's not that that's not what the Lord is saying he's not saying stay in an abusive situation or an abusive relationship that's not what he's saying. But he is saying, it's your heart. Your heart has to be right. And so that's, you know, releasing that out of your heart. Because otherwise, it's going to dominate you. And it's going to torment you. And it's going to block the blessings of God from coming. You know? If I said to somebody, like, you were so brave, it would be hard for them to, to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a very hard thing. And you see, somebody really needs to be born again to understand it too, I think, Maris. You know, is that your spirit needs to be... So, like, that you're saying if you're trying to share with somebody. Yeah. So, like, the thing is, is that it's it's like... I think it was Kenneth Hagen who said that long ago, like or Oral Roberts, one of them, you know, that, that unforgiveness is like poison that you're drinking every day expecting that they're going to die. And that's not what's going to happen. It's you who's dying and it's not affecting them at all. That's an easier way, perhaps, of explaining it to somebody who doesn't understand the word of God. But I mean, there is, a, you know, a disciplining by God where he brings us into line with his word and where we are to... It's not easy to love your enemies. And it's, you know, like Jesus, Peter said to him, how many times a day must I forgive him? Like that was John. And you think that, look at what John wrote in the Bible. But yet he irked and annoyed Peter, obviously, uh, so much. And, and Jesus said, you know, Peter said, should I, should I forgive him seven times a day? <laughs> and uh, Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. So that means as, as much as it takes. As long as it takes and, and keep doing it. But you will find like that that there comes a point where where you know if somebody's intent on, on forgiveness and releasing that forgiveness um and, and really brings it to the Lord, that there comes a point where there is where it does break and where you don't feel any hatred or animosity towards them then. Absolutely. And where you just you know but it doesn't mean you have to be their best friend again and you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like so Praise God. Uh, does that answer it for you? Yeah, All right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably wasn't the answer you were looking for, but anyway. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. But um, the thing is, is that, you know, 
the kingdom of God, like we read in, um, in Romans 14, 17, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay, so um, that righteousness, um, you know, brings, is, it brings life because Jesus gave us his righteousness, his right standing with God. And what did that do for us? It brought us life. And um, the peace, his peace is his shalom. And peace is where, you know, where we love God where we love our neighbor and where we love ourselves. That's peace. So, um, and then the joy part is, is the light that the Lord brings in. So to look at that, I want to look at 1 John chapter 1. And this won't take long now. Yeah, yeah, he says. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1. And um, verse 5. Uh, this is the message we heard from Jesus. This is John speaking. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In God there is no darkness at all. So we've looked at God is holy. What makes that, what makes God's holiness complete and perfect and undisturbed? is the fact that, that he is light and there's no darkness in him at all. And you see, unforgiveness, bitterness, strife, all of these sins, what they do is they tend to bring darkness with them. And that darkness can, can be around a person's neck as a noose, you know, or as, a, as some kind of a, a, you know, some kind of a restriction or a ligature or something that just suffocates the life out of that person. But God is light and in him is no, no um, darkness at all. So it says in 6, we are lying. Okay, this is fairly strong language. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So there's obeying the word of God and there's practicing the word of God. And that's what, you know, our faith, how does our faith work? It says, the word of God says, our faith works through love. Our faith doesn't work through works. And that's the difference between relationship and religion, is that religion will teach you your faith works through works. There's nothing wrong with doing good works and doing good deeds and being a good person. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the basis of your relationship with God, it's, it's a, it's a works-based relationship. And, it, and you have to keep all of the law then. But if our relationship with, with God is, is a love-based relationship... You know, like any, like we go back again to the father or the mother. When, when the child comes to them after doing something, you know, the child will get disciplined. Listen, you can't do that. That's not right. I'm going to now take your phone off you um, for three hours or whatever and, and to teach you a lesson that you will not do that again. But the, the parent doesn't stop loving the child and says, you know, because of the fact that the parent loves the child, that he or she disciplines the child. Well, that's the way it is with God. And so we come out from under the law. That's what we read about in earlier there, is that, you know, in, in Galatians, that when I was trying to keep the law, there was, it was just no, not possible. But when my flesh was crucified, and, and when I started to live for Jesus, now I live a totally different life. And that's where the freedom is. And that's, that's how God, you say to yourself, when God sees all the things that are going on, the evil, the, the absolute wickedness, how does he hold his head? How does he keep his, how does he keep his temper? Because God is love. And, you know, that's what John goes on to say here in chapter 4. But let's just keep reading here a minute. We're talking about God's light and there's no darkness in him at all. So, um... We are lying if we say we fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it always comes back to what Jesus did for us at the cross. Because, and, and that's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples, they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. 
Father in heaven, your name is holy. You are, you are holy. You deserve all the glory and the praise. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life on this earth as it is in heaven. The way that you see me, Father, let your kingdom uh, be, be lived out in my life on this earth. And then he says, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And deliver me from evil. And you see, there's a link between sin and evil and darkness. Because, uh, and unforgiveness. It lures you in, sucks you in, and then traps you in the darkness. And that's what he's saying here. That God is light, in him is no darkness at all. And his blood, Jesus' blood, cleanses us from that sin. If we claim we have no sin, in verse 8, we are only deceiving or fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. This is why, you know, that hard heartedness really needs to be dealt with. Because, you know, when somebody has been hurt or wounded or, or whatever, it can cause the heart to become hard. And Hosea 10 really deals with that beautifully. He says, you know, um, plow up the hard ground of your hearts and sow for yourself seeds of righteousness and you will reap a harvest of love. Mm -hmm. So, you know, us, us um, meditating on God's righteousness, on his holiness, on the fact that he has forgiven those who've hurt us. You know, God forgave even Hitler. Even all that, that Hitler did to the Jewish people and to the nation uh, of Israel, everything he did to those people, God forgave him. And if Hitler were to have repented, we don't know, but if he were to have repented and, and repented of his sins, even on his deathbed, and said, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me from the sins, I, I ask with, with a true heart of, forgive, of repentance, he would have been forgiven. And, you know... That's why no matter how bad somebody is, and you want to listen to the testimony of like Ian McCormack, it still sticks in my mind and it's like 27 years since I heard it. Uh, Ian McCormack, this man who was um, died, uh, you know, because he got like 50-something stings of this, this um, deadly jellyfish in Australia and, and like one sting would, would kill somebody and he got 50-something um, and so he was dead. And uh, he died. And as he died, he was going down, down, down to hell. And he just remembered that his mother, his mother had been praying for him for years and, and speaking to him about Jesus and said, Ian, you're never so far gone that, you, that there's no hope for you from Jesus. And he just cried out, Jesus. And the Lord brought him back. Uh, but he saw hell. And the Lord brought him back and he said... I always remember that he said, if somebody came into your home and killed all of your family members in front of your eyes and, and cut off your two legs, he said, you'd run after that person on those two stumps you had left to beg them to repent so they wouldn't have to go there to hell. He said, that's how bad it is. He said, it's, it's indescribable. And, and he was weeping as he said that. And it always affected me and, and impacted me. And, you know, I think that it's something the enemy uses. Anger and bitterness and strife and unforgiveness and offense. We have multiple opportunities for it every day. And it's just how the enemy operates. He said, Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. And it's just a way of totally destroying a person's life is unforgiveness or bitterness or any kind of strife or any kind of even self-hatred or anger at God. You know, many people are, are, you know, get on great with everybody, but they, you know, maybe long ago something happened and they got angry or offended at God and it's never been brought to the surface and it needs to be repented of and say, Lord, I, I ask you to forgive me for holding it against you, but I, and, you know, to forgive God if necessary. Maybe you need to forgive God and, and release forgiveness to him. It's not that he's done anything wrong, but in your eyes, you know, uh, and, and just say, Lord, I forgive you, but I ask you to forgive me for holding it because it's wrong. But um, 
So, you know, that's what he's saying here, is that his blood is, is ready to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, is darkness and light, is, is unrighteousness and righteousness. That's the difference. God is righteous. He is full of light. He is ready to forgive. That's why it says it's the goodness of God leads to repentance. You know, I think that the church has got it wrong down through the years. There's been hammering, you know, of, of you're all going to hell. I, I don't know how many street preachers you hear out there. And, you know, I think that they have driven more people away from God than because people know they're sinners. But it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And of course, you know, you need to bring things up. And, and I would be somebody who would be extremely blunt with people when I meet them, uh, you know, one-to-one. And, and sometimes that has got me into trouble. But the thing about it is, is no, you, as, a, as a teacher of the Word of God, you are held accountable that, that things need to be exposed and brought to the light. But the thing is, is that um, it's the goodness of God. God is love. And, and it's his love. And that love is his work inside of us. And he wants that love to break out of us. And to be vessels of his love. And of his mercy. And of his forgiveness. And it's going to be the difference to seeing miracles, signs and wonders and breakthrough. And, or to seeing the spirit of God quenched in just the same old, same old. It's Sunday. Let's go to church. In, out, back home the same way. You know, listen. We, we don't have time for that. We, we have better things to be doing than to being religious in our attitude. We need to see change, real significant change. And it starts with us. And it starts with us becoming like our father and living like our father. And um, in, in John's gospel, if you go back there to John chapter one, just to read that. So we read there that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And in John one, and verse four, This is talking about Jesus, the word of God, how he existed at the beginning and nothing was created except through him. We sang that there earlier. And in verse four, the word gave life to everything that was created. The word gave life to everything that was created. So another version says, in him was life. Life. We've already read that in him is light. And here we see that in him is life. And that life or his life brought light to everyone. So God's life brings light. And um, that's what we read in Galatians 2, is that I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Uh, the life I now live, I live through faith in, in Christ, the one who gave himself for me, who loved me and gave himself for me. So um, in, in Christ... Uh, there's there's light that comes from his life and so that's what we've been reading in Matthew 5 is that if we love our enemies if we pray for our enemies if we pray how do you pray for your enemies you pray father you know exactly what they did oh God and I I've thought about it a million times over and over again yes and I remember every little thing because of course we're great accountants um, when it comes to things like that, we, we, we're very bad accountants at balancing our, our, our cash books or our checkbooks. But when it comes to what he did and what she did and what they did to me, I'm a fantastic accountant. And, you know, that's what what First Corinthians 13 says, is that love keeps no account of the wrongs that were done to us. And so um, the, how we pray for our enemies to say Lord you know everything that they did and I know everything they did but I know that I also was a sinner Lord and I know that I've done plenty of wrong things and you've forgiven me and you told me that to the measure and extent that I'm willing to forgive those who've hurt me is the measure and extent that you're going to use to forgive me so Father I choose to forgive them without reserve to release them from all offense to remit their sins yes they did this to me yes it was real and, and I acknowledge it and it hurts me and it, it has you know whatever caused destruction in my life and but father I bring it to you because you are my loving father you love me yeah. and lord I want to to have your character and your nature and your perspective and so I choose today to to release it and I choose to bless my enemies how do I bless them lord I pray for their happiness 
I pray that they would be saved, that their hearts would be turned to you and that they'd come to know Yeshua. Not from the point of view of I pray they'd be saved so they'd repent and come back to me and say, I'm sorry, I, you, you were right, I was wrong because of course that's always what our flesh wants is for you to crawl and admit you were wrong, I was right. No, okay, that's, that's oh, we have to go back to the board again about the crucifixion of the flesh. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, sorry, Lord. Um, I choose, Lord, to pray for their happiness, for their joy. I pray for their health. I pray that you would deliver their families from destruction. I pray, God, that, that they would, uh, you know, that they would hear your voice calling their name. Oh, Lord, and, and I choose, Lord, to, to remit all of the things where they used me or where they betrayed me or hurt me. And, you know, you might have to do that 47 times a day. Because, you know, especially when something is raw, you know, when something has been done or new and is raw. It's also in relation to yourself. You need to forgive and release that forgiveness to yourself. You know, instead of always saying, oh, sure, I'm always the same. I always do this. Or, you know, say, no, hang on a minute. This is the enemy again trying to block me from, from relationship with God. I refuse to condemn myself. Okay, I did. I did do that. I did make the mistake. I'm sorry, Father. And you said that if I confess my sins to you, you are faithful and just to wash and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So, Jesus, I receive that forgiveness. I receive the cleansing of your blood. I ask that my mind and my heart be cleansed, and I refuse and renounce all condemnation. And now I am going to live my life uh, knowing that I'm right with you and, and not beating myself up forever or not saying you're this or you're that. This is very important because the Lord said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So these three work together. Everything in the kingdom of God is in threes, isn't it? You've got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You've got righteousness, peace and joy. You've got light, life and love. They're the things we've read about there today. And they're related to that righteousness, peace and joy. Because if from the righteousness comes life, eternal life. From the peace comes love. That we have love for God, with uh, peace with God, love for our neighbours, peace with our neighbours, love for ourselves and peace with ourselves. And then joy. And where does the joy come from? It comes from his life. Because his life brings in light. And, you know, that's why people go on holidays to the sunshine. That's why people suffer during the winter with uh, that, that thing, sad syndrome, where, where the darkness causes them to get depression. But when they go and they have lights around them, it causes, you know, a totally different... Well, the light of God brings joy. So Amen. righteousness, peace and joy. Light, uh, life and love. Amen? Amen. So um, we could go on forever, but anyway, I think we'll leave it there. And... Um, Praise the Lord. Think of something. Um, there was also Matthew 12, 31 and Luke 12, 10. I think they were the same thing. Um, I might just look at it for two seconds. How are we getting on? Matthew 12. Um, 31. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to finish with this, actually. This is key. Um, in verse 31 it says so I tell you this is Matthew 12 so I tell you every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit I think another version would say the unpardonable sin which will never be forgiven and the unpardonable sin, you know, there's wrong thinking about that. People think the unpardonable sin is, oh, somebody had an abortion or somebody got a divorce or somebody stole something or whatever. The, the unpardonable sin, according to the word of God, is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is what, if you read the whole chapter, is the, the, the Pharisees were doing there. They were saying that Jesus was casting out demons and healing people because he himself was demonized. Yeah. And so they were attributing the power of God to Satan. Uh -huh. They were saying it's by Beelzebub, And that's the blasphemy that God was talking about there. 
The unpardonable sin is saying that Satan has more power than God or that it is by Satan's power that, that this works. And, and this needs to be because a lot of people, you know, many people are struggling in their minds thinking they committed the unpardonable sin. That's the enemy trying to torment you yet again with unforgiveness towards yourself. And it needs to be booted out violently. In fact, just there, Jesus said the violent, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is taken by the violent and the violent take it by force. How can you plunder a strong man's house without first binding the strong man? You know, and so some people are, are tormented with things in their minds and it's actually a strong man's spirit. It's a demon that needs to be cast out and say, shut up, you devil. You're a liar. I'm not listening to you. Amen. So just to go on here, he says in 32, listen to this. Anyone who speaks against the son of man can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Going back to Matthew 5, 43. If we pray for our enemies and bless those who despitefully use us or who persecute us, then we are behaving and being just like our Father in heaven with his character and his nature. Imagine, you, you think about it. How can God watch the wickedness that goes on? He said it here. They can say what they want against me, Jesus said. They can say what they want against me. They will be forgiven if they repent. There's forgiveness there. That's why he said, you know, I didn't come into this world to judge. I came to seek and to save the lost. We must get with God's program and have that same mentality. If Jesus can say, they can say what they want about me. I don't care. I'll still forgive them. That's why on the cross, the very last utterance of his breath was, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Have mercy on them. Imagine after everything they did to him and, and, and the suffering that he was going through on that cross. And as he looked down at them and they spitting at him and they laughing at him and saying, come down if you are the king of the Jews. And, and they googling him and all that, you know, because, the, because he was naked on the cross and the, and the homosexuals would come out and, and oogle the, the naked men on the cross. Uh, you know, this, this real disgusting stuff was going on. And Jesus looks at them and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Amen. That's the mentality and, and the character and the nature we need to get with Amen. and that we need to have. Amen. Amen. So, I don't know. Could you say something? Yeah? Sorry, Eileen. Yeah. Yeah. I pray this blessing now over everyone in this room, all our families and loved ones, wherever they are. And everyone on Zoom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.